to Top 5s, the show of everything. Top 5s, presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have, um, you know, I don't know the topic, but I do know it's going to be an amazing show this evening. <laughs> uh, but before we get to all the amazingness, Jonathan, my dear friend, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. It is way too hot in L.A. And yeah. I, I could tell by <laughs> the... Uh, with the no shirt on or off. Yeah. It's pretty hot. You're wearing a, uh, a tank that looks like maybe you got it in third grade. And I just, I, <laughs> I went sans shirt for the episode. I am topless. Yeah. I never wear a, tank tops, a, man. On so. a webcam with my buddy. <laughs> but it is, it is hot as, as balls as they say. And, uh, it is, it is, uh, yeah. I mean, trying to survive, you know, trying to get, just get through this heat and, um, what, what, how hot is it beginning for you? Dude, it was like a hundred yesterday. Yeah, that's um, not ass eating weather. Today, today wasn't too bad. Um, it was like I don't know in the night, like eighties, nineties, which is still freaking hot. Yeah. Um, I think there's a heat wave going on because it's pretty hot for you over there in Monterey. It's so. been ninety the last two or three days, yeah. and I've wanted to just suffocate in a tub <laughs> of ice. Yeah, it's it's a lot, yeah. dude. But you know what? I'm yeah. I'm excited for just. Um, podcasting it's e3 week Same. so i'm just trying to get through the and, week and you've been attending what have you been attending good old sean thin day i have uh, i i um was lucky enough to get tickets to e3 um thanks to uh my my homie maddie and his his friend who works for bethesda games and um i actually got to chance to go to their bethesda games like showcase you know like mo- most of the companies are like you know they have like presentations and they showcase like their new games and everything um so it's cool it was uh on sunday so it was like a little before the convention started and it was cool man like getting to see like you know all these uh obviously uh, fans of gaming and you know I, I don't play video games as much as i used to but i'm you know still kind of aware of the culture and and you know play video games every now and then so it's still something that interests me and um it's just kind of cool being at at an event where people just get super hyped for for new games coming out or updates and stuff like that and you know the the company bethesda games was really trying to push like you know um anything that was like critique wise from their past games like i think fallout 76 took a lot of shit i think oh yeah yeah so um you know it was a good opportunity for them to you know to to show, you know, kind of like, oh, here, you know, here are things that we, you know, things that you've guys voiced to us, we've taken and, you know, that's cool. fixed with the game or added to the game. And then, you know, of course, it's, it's the time of like, you know, kind of free content. You know, a lot of people are trying to push free content for people to play to get early access to games and stuff. So it's, it's a cool week, you know, for, for ga- the kind of gaming community because people are getting stoked for what's coming out. And uh, yeah, I get to go there tomorrow and Thursday. So very freaking cool man yeah yeah. that's kind of my week for the for like the rest of the week um not doing too much music stuff so um yeah man just stoked for for e3 right on how's your week going dude it's going all right man um just a lot of change happening uh at work and all the kinds of stuff so it's kind of a exciting time and um had you know good weekend good couple days here um been hung over a lot which is always just fantastic and um yeah man so oh i'll I'll give you a little story Ooh, story story. time yeah um so sunday um 
a little hungover. I was like, I'm going to go out to a cafe. It was too nice not to like go out. And I haven't taken Marty into Pacific Grove in a while. So we drove down and um, go to this cafe, Bookworks, and I'm sitting outside with my notebook and I'm writing stuff down. I'm drinking the London Fog tea and um, Marty has wrapped himself um, with his leash around the table legs and the, and the chair legs. And the table and chair legs, to begin with, are wobbly, right? Um, and, may I add, there's also two very cute ladies sitting right in front of me. <laughs> Just throwing that out there for an extra little setting the scene here. Um, anyway, time passes. I decide it's time to leave. I go to take the uh, leash from under the chair. Something happens. I don't know exactly what um, Marty moved. I kind of moved, but the table and the chair went from a wobble to a full-on in slow fucking motion. Just I fell to the left, have a huge gash on my my big old muscle there, and um, fucking, but yeah, so I'm on the floor. I know that, like, fuck, there's, like, you know, 15, 20 people on the street, like, over here, like in the vicinity, and they all watched me. I could, it happened in such slow motion that I could see them watching me fall. I'm like, God damn it, I'm gonna have to deal with them when I get back up. And there's this woman, like, in my face, as soon as I, like, looked up from what happened, her hands out, Are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. And I fucking popped up. And yeah, the entire, entire block was looking at me. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know the point of that story. I guess it's just maybe I was feeling a little cocky yeah, that morning. And, um, so, sometimes you know, random stuff to, happens, dude. Like, random things happen, but it's always good to uh, get knocked down a peg or two. <laughs> and remember, you ain't shit, motherfucker. Um, again, I don't know what the hell this ties to with the rest of our show, but I just felt like sharing it. So there you hey, go. Man. It's just it's just random things that happen in our daily lives. and yeah. uh, I think it's, it's a kind of funny, like, you know, with, especially with Marty, like... Yeah, just kind of yeah. random. He was looking at me like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Sit much? Um, but yeah. I don't know. Well, exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, quite exciting. Quite exciting. But yeah, man. Um, all right. Shoot. Um, I'm trying to think. News-wise, I can't think of anything. Man, nothing really. Yeah. I mean... Uh, we, we could talk. I could talk a little bit about E three, maybe on our share time, right um, on. Because I've only been for like the showcase, but I've seen a bunch of trailers and yeah. tons of like games, and uh, I'm kind of stoked for. There's a, a game called Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, looks pretty with, dope. With our so Keanu. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting uh, reveal they had, and uh, yeah, we'll talk more about it on on the share time. Fantastic. Right on. In that case, shall we get to some lists, my friend? Let's do it, dude. I got my pile, right. pile ready. Hell yeah. Um, I can't remember. Did I go first last time? Did you, no, you went first last time. I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> do you want... Who do you... Uh, do, would you rather... Uh, either one, dude. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake it up here. Ready? Can you hear that, dear imaginary audience, into the microphone? Oh, yeah, we should do some, like, ASMR... <laughs> Shawnee, what are your top five current, or no, sorry, current, what are your top five favorite comic book castings? Comic book castings. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, comic book castings, like in the films, right? Like, M- yeah, yeah. Any like, um, MCU, like, you or, know, 
any comic book movie. Like, oh, oh Andy man, Ledger's the Joker, that kind of thing. You know what, dude? I uh, I know it's been. You know, we we had Endgame pretty recently, and uh, you know we had the Avengers, and you know it's a wrapping up of kind of their story, and uh, I, man, I, I gotta say. Chris Evans playing Captain America slash right Steve on. Rogers has been one of the, I think one of the best and, and kind of smartest choices, I think for, for, for Marvel to, to take on uh, Chris yeah. Evans as the cap, as Captain America one, because I mean, it's, it's so funny because before he played the human torch in, uh, um, in the fantastic four, you know, their uh, Fox Marvel's kind of, version of that. Yeah. Um, so it is very interesting that, you know, someone who came from this kind of background of, you know, he's done the comic book movie thing before. Um, you know, he's been in so many different kind of genres of films. Um, you know, I remember seeing, I think, I don't even, I don't know if it was the first film I saw him in, but um, uh, not another teen movie, like was kind of yeah, one of my first exposures. Yeah. To, to Chris Evans. And, you know, so I, you know, of course you associate that with like, you know, comedy and, you know, he definitely is a, you know, he definitely has a, you know, a pretty fun and, you know, funny personality um, and seems like a pretty cool guy just he does, in general. Yeah. So, um, yeah, him taking on the mantle of, of Captain America and donning the shield um, was just such, I mean, he, he was the true Avenger. He was the true, I feel, feel like a true hero. He represented so many things that heroes should represent. Um, and especially, you know, from the comics and um, what, you know, who they, you know, who they've made um, Captain America to be throughout the comics. And I just felt like he really translated that well and just showcased like, you know, the kind of uh, type of person. It almost felt like Chris Evans was, you know, his personality as an actor. And I, I know, you know, you try, I try not to do that with like, you know, film roles and stuff like, oh, he's like, you know, he's kind of being himself or something. But you know, at the same time, I, I do generally feel like he was very genuine and he really took that 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 role and, and really made it his own. So I, I can't see I mean, it's it's crazy because, you know, they may, you know, who knows, they may recast. And of course, they have spoiler alert. They have um, Falcon kind of taking the mantle of Captain America. Yeah, he's great. Um, and which is which is great. I think that's a, a, a huge thing for especially for that franchise. Um, but you know, I can't see anyone else really playing Steve Rogers now because <laughs> he's just been such a good, he's a portrayal of that character. So uh, yeah. I'm going to go Chris Evans as my, as my one, dude, because he's like really it. made a huge, you know, kind of impact on, you know, how I see those films. Um, and I, I he's he, he's the one character that I, like, I have to see him in those films. Like, he, he makes me enjoy those films even more. Right so, uh, number one, Chris Evans. Uh, I'm going to go to Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Um, I think we've talked about, um, you know, we talked about the recent news of, of Robert Pattinson and kind of the feedback a lot of people are, you know, giving. Pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, some of it's, you know, a little negative and whatnot. And uh, I think we've talked about, like, the parallel between that casting and Heath Ledger's casting when we first found out he was going to be the Joker. Absolutely. And people were like, no, you know, how can this, you know, how can this work? Or, you know, you know, how is he able to, to play a character like this? He's, you know, played kind of the romantic kind of guy. He's been in different types of roles. Um, and so, you know, would it, would he, would he have pulled it off? And I mean, I think I watched that. I watched the dark Knight. Like, I think I watched it last week and 
it's just such a, a riveting experience um, seeing Heath Ledger in that role and to to put his own stamp on the Joker character to really make it his own and um, and then of course not you know not fully getting this kind of backstory from the character and um, I don't know it was, it was very intriguing and, and you know there's fucking you know all these <laughs> random things that the and, and of course he of course has the Joker you know this essence of Joker in there um, to the kind of the joke you know, kind of the the sadistic um, you know kind of tricks he plays on people and um, or the way he kind of um, moves a conversation with uh, Batman or some of the other characters. Um, yeah. But the he really did solidify. I mean, people, you know, it's it's it's. I hate to say this, but people compare the next couple Joker, um, you know, portrayals to this to Heath Ledger's character because he did it so as well. As they should, as they should, man. So they yeah. they knocked out. They really you know, did a good job with, you know, adapting that character and for Heath Ledger to take on that mantle and push that character even further um, was, was, was such a huge thing. So, I mean, Heath Ledger, you know, rest in peace, you know, he, you know, I wish we could see him, um, you know, we, I wish we could have seen him, you know, yeah. push that character even further, but just to get it in that movie to really get the essence of the Joker character within one movie um, was, was, was just amazing. So, um, Hell yeah. yeah, so number two, um, Heath Ledger. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of naming off the... <laughs> I know it's like our X-Men list. It's kind of the safe list, but I mean... I mean, you know. You know, so number... Th- fuck, man. I mean, <laughs> most of these guys could be high up there, but number three, Hugh Jackman as freaking Wolverine. Right he played him for, what was that, 15, 16 years. Um, he's still... After so many years, he st- even even with the or- uh, Wolverine Origins movie, they still he still kept the essence of he that did. Wolverine character and how he interacts with all the other characters and X Men and um, I mean it, it is kind of a situation here where we've kind of grown with the character and have seen Hugh Jackman really make that character his own and. Um, and and just really showcase you know the the tropes of like of Wolverine and and also the kind of you know being able to see him throughout those films um, and over the last like fifteen sixteen years you know we got to see the you know the character of Wolverine as far as the development of you know where he came from and um, you know this kind of beast in the wild trying to kind of you know connect with people and. And you know, have some uh, kind of a higher mission than just being being a weapon for for you know for the military or whatnot. So it it was cool to kind of see him, you know, kind of act and 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 really go through those experiences and um, and really showcase that in, in the films. So you know, it's it's cool. We you know we have the advantage of having more films with Hugh Jackman, but at the same time, they've been so consistent with just him as a character, no matter how good or bad the film is. Yeah. He always usually usually not very good. Yeah, usually not very good, <laughs> but he's always the highlight of the films because of just how well he plays that character. And I just again can't see anyone else playing him because of just how well he was able to adapt that character. Yeah. Um but you know, who knows? We'll eventually probably get another Wolverine. Um but of course, just like all the fans, we'll be comparing it to Hugh Jackman's <laughs> Wolverine. So. <laughs> um but yeah, so Wolverine, uh Hugh Jackman for three. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go number four. I'm going to go Deadpool. 
And, right on. You know, like most comic book movies, and I, I ha- I'm, I'm not a comic book reader per se. I, I wouldn't consider myself a huge comic book reader. Um, but just kind of knowing a little bit about Deadpool and the character and, of course, the all the kind of movement behind the movie. And, you know, Ryan Reynolds, of course, taking on Deadpool. And as a, I, I would think, seeing it at, from a fan's perspective, you know, it looked like Ryan Reynolds was a fan of Deadpool and seeing that kind of behind the movie um, really solidified, like, you know, he really wants to make this movie and, um, and play the Deadpool character to his best tropes. So um, I think he, I mean, obviously I think he did an amazing job. Um, You know, there's embodies it for sure. He does. And I know, you know, we, you know, Ryan Reynolds, he of course came from the kind of comedy, you know, realm and, you know, he, he has the, the, um, kind of the skill set to, to really, you know, make those jokes hit or whatnot, but the way of, of embodying like the character itself and, and really, you know, the fourth wall breaking and, and really just going a hundred percent into the character, um, especially in that first film, um, was great. And I don't know, it, it just kind of, again, going back to the backstory of like the, how it, the movie was made and like Ryan Reynolds did play Deadpool and Wolverine origins. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Merc without a mouth or the Merc with a mouth and he didn't have a mouth in there. So, yeah. And it's so in the fuck shot. Yeah, man. And I remember listening to an interview with him and he, he you know, it, it was definitely like a job for him, but he was at deep down inside. He was like, I want to do this character justice and this wasn't the way to do it. So it was great to see him kind of stick to his guns and, and really like see it forward and get that movie made. Um, so it's kind of cool even to hear like stories like that, like the actors really yeah. are behind the movie and behind the character and, and really want to deliver to the audience, you know, the character that they are expecting from the comics. And um, I think that's also probably why I have him on this list, just because he was a fan um, from the get go. So um, right on. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. And I'm gonna go for number five comic book adaptation. Um, fuck me. Um, let's see. <laughs> There's just so many. Like, man, I've been a little burnt out in comic book movies, but um, you know these actors. me. These actors make the movies happen. So I'm, I'm gonna go with. Man, it's so tough to pick a Batman. <laughs> Is it? Is it? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a different route here. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Michael Caine as Alfred. Yes, yes, you beautiful bastard. That's a fantastic pick. Um, one, Michael Caine just seems like the nice. He just seems <laughs> any any line he delivers in the in the in that movie franchise is just. It's so fucking good. He's good, man. And you know what? It, it's it's always been with Alfred. It's always been about the relationship to Bruce Wayne and the family, and you really get that through Michael Caine. You know he he's heartfelt and he, he, he may be uh, trying to figure out what Bruce, especially in Batman begins, like what Bruce is going through and, you know, how he feels about obviously his family and, you know, the kind of the responsibilities kind of put on him after his family, you know, passed away and, and, you know, kind of seeing the transformation of Bruce Wayne and, and kind of trying to be there to support him. And he's been his biggest supporter, no matter life or death. Um, and is kind of the true, you know, true family member, I feel, for Bruce to really, you know, to to understand who he is and, and what he's trying to do as the Batman character and what Batman represents. And it's like, 
Michael Caine totally going, you know, going fully supporting Bruce with it, even though, of course, as his love for him, you know, he's like, you know, how far can you take this? Pretty much. I think he says in, in some of the films, like, you know, there's only so much you can do as, as Batman, as Bruce Wayne, you know, yeah. how far can you go with this? And, you know, of course he's concerned about his health and, and being, and of course their, their affection for each other. So it, I mean, he did such, such a good job of just portraying that. And I think that's always been Alfred's kind of character is, is the, the, not the caretaker to Bruce, but really a, a, a family member to him as someone who's, you know, been there for his family, who's able to support him no matter what crusade he's going on. Um, but yeah, so Michael Caine, I mean, an exceptional, you know, yes. actor as well. He, so <laughs> you also have to really give him credit for just how over the fucking top his accent is in those movies. <laughs> yeah. Growl, growl, growl. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely like, I always, yeah, I always laugh at, you know, he's just so, and it's funny cause he gets, you know, there's moments where he gets very emotional and, and connects to Bruce. He's so good. But then, you know, there's also moments where he's like, he's kind of digging this. Like he's really, oh yeah, he really wants to see this forward or see this through and, um, and really be there for, for, for Bruce Wayne. So, um, yeah, Michael Caine, man. And we've seen, you know, we've seen other renditions of Alfred's character. And I've always loved, you know, Alfred from the animated series. And he's fantastic. And, um, you know, he kept the, again, he kept the essence of the Alfred character. But, you know, again, pushed it a little bit further as far as just kind of connecting more with Bruce Wayne. And I'm glad that we got th- got that within those, like, three films with Christopher Nolan. Um, so, yeah, Alfred. Fantastic list, Shawnee. We're only gonna we're only gonna have one crossover, so I'm happy oh, about cool, that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what is um, your top five, dude? So yeah, my mind was racing as you were as you were going through those, and um, number five is gonna be kind of out of left field. Okay. All right. Um, I'm gonna go Deborah Ann Wall as Karen Page on Daredevil. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. I think she's fantastic. I I, I really love her character. I love her delivery and. Um, she makes Karen Page so incredibly sympathetic and mysterious and dangerous and sexy and sweet and wonderful and kind. And, um, but you never really know, like she's kind of got a shady past. So is she gonna, you know, follow through and be a good person? Holy shit. She shot a guy like, you know, it's, it's, there's so many fucking layers to her. And, um, she usually does it just with a breath. You know, she's one of those actresses, she's just breathing and you're watching her and you're like, holy shit, it's really good. Like, I understand what that person is feeling yeah. or thinking just from their physicality. So, um, yeah, Deborah Ann Wall. I lo- yeah, I love her in that. I actually just started watching the Punisher um, series. I haven't watched that. She's in it, though, right? Yeah, and I, she's always been a connect, connect, uh, connecting character with the Punisher character. Um, That's true so, from season two. And dude, so I'm glad they really kind of they kept her in that series because she has such a connection with um frank castle so it's like yeah i i I love how she's being able to even progress in different areas of the shows and and really make an impact on there i was so afraid that they were going to uh kill her off in the third season dude me too i was Um, thinking because in the comics they killed her off i think kevin smith killed her oh really um yeah and uh, but I want to say Frank Miller made her like a fucking 
drugged out porn star who sells Matt Murdock's identity. So I'm glad none of those things, fucking things yeah. happened to her. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I'm sad that Daredevil got canceled, but I'm glad that it ended on the note that it ended on. Oh, yeah. I love you know? that. Se- that last season it's, was awesome, dude. It was so good. Um, yeah. It's Karen Page. Nice. Uh, number four. I found this casting to just be so fucking charming and perfect. Uh, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. So relaxed in the role and just like, but he he felt like Peter Parker. He felt like a 30-something-year-old Peter Parker, and I fucking dug that. I loved it because we haven't seen that in the movies before. Yeah, Um, yeah. And when I was reading the comics, Peter was married to Mary Jane. He was teaching science at his old high school. You know, like, uh, so... You know, I, I love teenage Peter Parker and I love college Peter Parker selling photos to the Bugle. Fuck yes, give me all that shit. But it's also really refreshing to see an adult Peter who doesn't, who still doesn't have his fucking shit together. <laughs> you know, um, and still trying to save the world, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I really love that performance. Every time he was on screen, I was just, I was so happy. Oh, I gotta rewatch um, that. I, I, uh, I actually, I bought it and and watched it. Uh, man, it was a couple months ago, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 so cool that that movie was able to give us different, you know, kind of versions of Spider-Man and and really dive into stories that we haven't seen before or you know we're not as familiar with. So I think that was a, I think that character in, as far as being in that world was it was great just to see that um, yeah. that comparison. So yeah, fuck. Um. <laughs> Side note, yeah. Editor's note: Fucking go back to episode something, uh, probably back in November or December, if you look through our feed. Uh, but we had animator Daniel Rodriguez on the show, um, talking about Into the Spider Verse. So check that out. Um, number three, my top three don't change. These are my dudes: um, Gary Oldman, Commissioner Gordon. Fuck yeah! Yes. He's so oh, fucking yes. good. He is so fucking good in, as that character, man. He brings Jim Gordon to life, and he is the fucking heart and soul of that trilogy. And it pisses me off that his, one of his last lines is, Bruce Wayne. Um, I fucking hate <laughs> that. I hate that. Oh, that's right. There's but, like the reveal at know, the end, right? Is that Not even. He he doesn't even fucking, he could have. You know, there's, there's a fucking ticking time bomb. He could have been like, look. I'm Bruce Wayne. You fucking helped me as a kid. Thank you. And said, I'm going to tell you in a riddle how a man or kindness can be as small as putting a coat on a young boy when he thought the world was over. And it's then like, he fucking <laughs> closes, goes up to the sky. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> what? 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 He's the only fucking kid you've ever put a coat around after fucking violence in in Crime Alley in Park Row, man. Come on. <laughs> um, I don't buy that shit. For yeah, a second. that's I, uh, I, I definitely want to hear like your Joey, like how it should have ended. And I love how like you're there should have been that moment, right? Like it, it shouldn't have been. It should have been. I've always known or or some things or. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. Or like, I know what you mean or, you know, some some acknowledgement. But to. Because to me, that's insulting the character of Jim Gordon. He's always been smart. And in the comics, and and it seemed like in the first couple movies, like if he wanted to figure out who Batman was, he could have done it. Yeah, yeah. But he respected what Batman was and what Batman stood for, so he doesn't. 
But you know that Jim Gordon, if he thinks about it and he has thought about it, he knows. He fucking knows. Right? He fucking knows. Um, there's a beautiful fucking moment in the comics, uh, Batman No Man's Land. Gotham, you know, was ravaged by the fucking earthquake and had been declared No Man's Land, which Dark Knight Rises actually takes a lot from. Oh, um, okay. So for like a whole year, Gotham was cordoned off um, and the all of the Batman books told this one, they call it maxi-series, right? Um, and fucking Batman had disappeared. I forget... It's been years since I've read this, but he he wasn't in Gotham at the start of it, and Jim Gordon felt abandoned. Um, and I know his wife dies in this story, but I can't remember if she had died yet in this moment. But yeah, basically, it. Batman wants him to trust him again, and they have this beautiful fucking scene together in Jim Gordon's backyard. And um, Batman's like, I don't know how I can get you to trust me again, except this, and he fucking takes off his mask. And Jim oh. Gordon is, is turned around and he won't look at him. He's like, put it back on. If I wanted to know, believe me, I could have figured it out years ago. Put it back on. How don't you? How do you know I don't know already? Whoa. Put it fucking back on. It's so that's good. Strong. That's a, such so a strong good. scene, dude. Wow. And like that, you know, in comics kind of was like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, could you imagine if they had put that in Dark Knight Rises? Like, why wouldn't Jim Gordon be like, where the fuck were you? Yeah. You know, oh, like. Wow. I love that. Damn, dude. You should write freaking next Shit. Batman film, dude. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they, they did already. Was, I mean, I'm just referencing. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of all these fucking blockbuster movies are anyway, is references to other shit. So maybe I could do it. <laughs> um, number two, we share number two, man. Heath Ledger. Joke. Yeah. It's the joke. It's, it's the only Academy Award winning performance from a combo movie, unless I'm wrong about that. Uh, a History of Violence, did that win for acting? I can't remember. Oof. Because that is technically a comic book movie. Yeah. Not sure. Anyway. Um, it's fucking brilliant. So I was I was watching rewatching Batman 89 the other night, and the only moment to me that fucking um, feels like the Joker is when Joker's like, he took my balloons. Bob, gun. Bob the goon hands Joker the gun. Joker fucking shoots Bob the goon out of fucking nowhere. What? Right? <laughs> and upon, you know, the 100th and 11th time watching this fucking movie, like, the moment still surprises me. It still gives me that feeling of, like, the Joker came out of fucking nowhere and did that. <laughs> Heath Ledger's entire performance is that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling as an audience member of, I don't know what the fuck this dude's about to do, and I've seen this movie a hundred times. Like, it doesn't, how do you do that? You know, it's, it's, it's really fucking incredible. And, um, and part of it is the music, right? The Hans Zimmer fucking, just that it makes you, it fucking makes you, your stomach just turn. Something is off. Something is bad is about to happen. And then just his, Heath Ledger's ticks, the way he moves and the way he flicks his tongue and her head twitch, you know, it's everything throws the viewer off and it's it's fucking amazing dude uh, Heath Ledger Heath fucking Ledger R.I.P. <laughs> number one though I think the greatest comic book casting of all time J.K. Simmons J. Oh, Jonah dude, Jameson you're right <laughs> you're he is right, dude. pitch fucking 
perfect in those movies. He <laughs> is the comic book come to life. Uh, he is so fucking quick and witty and shitty and awesome. Um, yeah, man, J. Jonah Jameson. He's man. He he was in the okay, the Spider Man game. That's is that his voice? As no, it's not him, but it sounds a lot like okay. him. And he's like, it's so smart the way they did it, like giving him a podcast to talk about what's happening in the yeah. story. Yeah, I thought that was a very yeah very cool thing about the game. But uh, as far as I, the, okay. Oh, sorry. No, you first. I was going to say, as far as the movies, yeah, he's been, he was, <laughs> it, it's like he really, like, even just the look of him, like, he just embodied that character so well. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think, oh, sorry. I, I was I just saying, I was just saying. Doing that. What's up? I don't mean to keep cutting you off. It's all good. It's all good. I'm so sorry. I, 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 I do hope they, they bring that character back somehow in the movies, which fans, if they kept, J.K. Simmons, as cast as as uh, as as him, yeah. I think people will lose it, and I think it would be a good choice on their part. Though, <laughs> I, I think I mean it's no different than having Judy Dench return as M, even though it's new Bond. Like, just fucking please do that. Like, <laughs> you, you're not going to cast anyone better. Yeah. Um, f- oh my god! Like, <laughs> come on. He, he actually um, in the earlier like the you know the Sam Raimi films, right? Like, he was one of my favorite parts of the film. He's, he's so good. Especially with like, you know, Peter Parker and, you know, they got this, they're trying to do the high school Peter Parker and he's just, he's just so un, he's just so, uh, you know, like bashing Spider-Man, Spider-Man at any corner and, but still like not really knowing like it was Peter, you know, Peter Parker all along and that kind of dynamic between them. But it's such a wonderful, wonderful dynamic. I mean, I wish they would do a Spider-Man fucking TV show, man. That'd be tight. Just Spidey in college, and you get his his fucking supporting cast of Harry, Mary Jane, Gwen, Aunt May, J. Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. uh, Robbie, um, is it Robbie Robertson or Joe Robertson or fuck the other editor at the Bugle, you know Betty Brant, whatever. You just yeah. you have all the romantic elements and a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of adventure. Um, but always Peter in those types of J. Jonah Jameson situations where, fuck Spider-Man. Thanks, Peter. Bring me more pictures. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, you know, Aunt May. Oh, that awful Spider-Man. You know, thank God you're not like him, Peter. You know, like, yeah. his, his fucking best friend's dad is the Green Goblin. Like, those are the best Spider-Man stories of when both his worlds are intertwined. Intertwined, and, yeah. Fuck, it'd be perfect fodder for a fucking television show. Ooh. Be so good. Make this shit fucking happen, happen guys. I know, man. I, you know, <laughs> fucking corporate overlords. <laughs> and okay. Um, and okay. Yeah. That was a good list, dude. Well, that's good. Yours too, man. Top five comic book castings. Comic book castings. Woo. Woo. Whoa. Like, whoa. Whoa. Um, oh, motherfucker. I'm doing a little mix up of my pile too here. Let's. Oh, I'm. Excited. Let's see what I can pull. Dead. This is the most random one out of them. What are your top five favorite dipping sauces? Ooh. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, We'll catch up number one. (laughs) I know that. that, I truly know that's going to be your (laughs) top. We know each other too Um, (laughs) well. I fucking love 
Yeah, ketchup. Oh my god. Ketchup on anything. Yeah, fries. Yeah, man. Burgers. <laughs> um. Hmm. Yeah. I'll I eat way too much ketchup. <laughs> um. I'm gonna go garlic butter. Ooh. I feel like having like a steak. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Especially if you can melt that garlic butter on something. Ah, oh, dude, garlic butter, anything. <laughs> One of the last times I was at Joe's, I got a flaming yawn with garlic butter. Ooh. Do they it's just put it on top? Like, no, no, no. They, they it's like in a little fucking server dish. Yo, thing. that's and so you, good. Or like a like a boat, like a gravy boat thing. Ooh. You just kinda, it's fucking amazing. That sounds so good. <laughs> it was, man. It was incredible. Um, Bernays. Bernays, yeah. Taste Bernays. Bernays is fantastic. <laughs> Discovered that in Nashville. It's wonderful. It's Fritz Bernays. Um, Hula's, this restaurant I really love um, on Lighthouse in Monterey. They have this amazing burger, but they also have this amazing soy glaze sauce. And I always dip the burger in the soy glaze sauce. And it is, it's another fucking level, dude. Gotcha. Okay. Soy um, glaze sauce. So soy glaze. Okay. I don't, I don't know exactly what, what it is, but I like it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Um, hmm. I guess ranch. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'll fuck with ranch every here and there. Fucks with it, man. Good. I like it. I like that. I like that. I know it's it, it's a. Uh, I was trying to I was trying to uh, I think I remember when I was writing these because uh, we have our piles of paper, our little piles that we're pulling from. I was like, man, I got to switch it up. I got to put some stuff that just like maybe isn't related to movie or or film or or uh, music and film. Um, but I've been on a like a dipping sauce binge. So have you? Okay, now I'm very excited to hear what your top five is. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been frequenting Chick Fil A because it's right across my. Uh, my work and um dude the chick-fil-a just their sauce dude it's fucking okay. so good i don't chick-fil-a sauce chick-fil-a sauce i'm not sure um i'm I, i'm it, i think it's like a combination of different flavors and stuff it's i feel like there's a little bit of honey mustard there's a little bit of like barbecue in there okay so cool. i don't i guess that's the best way i could describe it but um it's so good and you can put it on pretty much anything so nice. um chick-fil-a sauce I'll hit, you, I'll hit you up with the ketchup for number two. Right. Because I can't. Yeah. Ketchup's probably. Ketchup most, is life. Man. Yeah. It's most probably the most essential condiment out there. Um, yeah. So ketchup. Uh, I'm going to go three. I'm going to do some barbecue sauce. But I. Barbecue sauce. Man. I, oh, fuck. I've been man. trying to figure out what kind of barbecue sauce I'd like. Like the sweeter or the smokier kind. Ooh, or like c- cinnamon brown sugar. Yeah. Kind. So yeah. I, I feel like I've been. Leaning towards more like uh, the kind of sweeter kind, because um, it's just it's uh, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on what you're having it with, but um, I just yeah I like the kind of sweeter barbecue sauces. I feel like they That's cool. their flavor like sticks a little bit more than kind of smokier stuff. So yeah, and then for me, barbecue sauce burger on burgers on on. A whole bunch of stuff, actually. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. Um, so barbecue sauce for three. Uh, number four. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ranch. But there's like this version of ranch that I've had before, where it's kind of like a garlic ranch. Ooh. So it's not. Uh, 
it, yeah, it, it has like a hint of garlic in it. There's a place, uh, a burger joint, Tops uh, in SoCal, that um, they do like kind of their version of ranch sauce for like all their kind of dipping um, uh, plates and stuff. So, and they kind of have that, nice. that version of it. I'm sure there's some other stuff in there besides garlic, but um, just the way it tastes, it just tastes so freaking good every time you dip something into it. And um, just like most of these sauces, I think you got to find like kind of the right ones, right? You know, kind of the ones that really, it's very true, really stick like good ranch or, you know, like good barbecue sauce. Um, so number four, uh, I guess garlic ranch and, nice. uh, number five, man, dude, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my Brit- British roots here, man. Yes. I'm going to go with the, the HP sauce. Um, <sighs> kind of commonly, uh, I guess the best way, if no one knows what HP sauce is, it's kind of like steak sauce, like A1, yeah. a little bit, right? Um, yeah. But I think that's the best comparable yeah. thing. And and, and, and like kind of like ketchup and, you know, maybe even steak sauce. Like you kind of can put it on a bunch of dishes, especially kind of like British dishes. And we've had, you know, uh, you know, bacon and egg sandwiches before. And, you know, oh. every now and then my, my dad would sneak some HP sauce in there. So, um yeah, it, it's one of my, I mean, growing up, you know, having my, my dad being from England, you know, I was exposed to HP sauce, and I think they carry it in, like, some grocery stores now, which is kind of crazy. Um, but, yeah, just kind of another all-in-one dipping sauce, and it's got, like, a very, kind of like steak sauce, it's very uh, particular, like, taste and flavor, it's, and it's it's actually pretty, like, uh, I don't know if pungent's the word to describe, but, like, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, it's a strong flavor, Um from the get-go. So it is definitely um, something you kind of have to get used to, but I, I, I don't know. There's something about it that I really, really like. So HP sauce. Hell yeah. There we go. I like it, Shawnee. That's a good it's a good top five, man. And I love how it's super random because I, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Well, you know what? No, it's not, it's not random. You know why? Because it's like dipping sauce weather right now. I know, right? People are going to be fucking barbecuing and wanting to dip their shit (laughs) in something cool. Something good and cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, fantastic. I like your list. Yeah, woo! (laughs) Woo! And that, of course, brings us to our weekly segment. Uh, We do these in seasons. The first seasons, you can go back and listen, was uh, Who's from the Year of Our Birth. We did uh, the Beatles discography, the Ramones discography, um, and now, oh, Game of Thrones season eight. <laughs> and now we are in the throes of the Clash discography. We did Clash UK. Um, Give enough rope. Last week we did London Calling, and this week we are doing their fourth album, the triple um, LP, Sandinista. Sandinista. And I said it like that because there is an exclamation point in the title. <laughs> um, Shawnee, this album is fucking sprawling. It's intimidating as fuck. It's, it's a lot, one yeah. I've always been <laughs> afraid to listen to and take in in one sitting. Um, all these years I've told myself, someday I'm going to do it. And um, thank God we're, you know, doing this show um, because I actually felt a reason to do it. And I dug it. I, I felt like it was more mood than fucking anything. Um, yeah. Like it just set the mood, you know. It's like a cool record to throw on if, like, people are just kind of, like, nice background like um 
I dug it, but it was all it was. I I don't I don't know that I fully absorbed it. How did how did you feel about it? I you know what I kind of feel the same about you. I, like it was. I listened to it a couple of days ago, and then I kind of briefly listened to some of the tracks today before the show. Same, yeah. And it is a lot. I, and actually, going in, going into it, I didn't realize there was that many songs. And it's so two I started, and a half hours of music. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tried my best to listen to the, the, the whole album, and I, I don't think I listened to it in one sitting, but, um, you know, I, I got through it, and it, it is very interesting. It's, it's um, you know, right after London Calling, and I still feel like there are some of those, um, you know, the, the kind of, like, reggae dub sounds that they were kind of, you know, um, experimenting with from London Calling and then going into this. They, they really did still stick to kind of, diverse and almost different sounds. There was even, I think, some yeah. electric synthesizer sounds on some of the there tracks. There's so much crazy shit on this record. And it, um, again, it's just, I guess, going back to The Clash as far as they, they were, even though they we associate The Clash with like the punk era and punk music, and, and, and that's pretty much what punk should be, is, is playing whatever yeah. you, you, know, you want. And um, they were able to embrace a lot of those different kind of styles and... and take on different kind of you know instruments and, and music so i think that was the most interesting part about that record so um this is a, a blurb um from the wikipedia oh okay um and just real quick it was released just a couple days shy of a year of london calling oh. so they put out a double album and less than a year later they release a fucking triple, triple album, album dude <laughs> insane um, but it says, anticipating the world music trend of the 1980s, it features funk, reggae, jazz, gospel, rockabilly, folk, dub, rhythm and blues, calypso, disco, and rap. I'm trying to remember the that rap part. That is insane. <laughs> I, I'm trying to. I don't really, but um, it's this is a crazy record. And um, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it you would, it's a lot. You would think like, because of all the different meshings of genres that it would be quite a, a yeah, like a, a lot, right? Like kind of convoluted yeah. a little bit, but at the same time, it, I think that's kind of the most interesting thing about the clash is this, like hearing them kind of create these sounds and it's, and it has all these different kind of influences behind it. And I always felt like, it never, it never fell sh- like short or shy on this record. At no. least, um, they really, if they wanted to do that sound, they really pushed it, and even further. I think they, this is probably the most experimental record I think I've heard of them. There's just like so much different soundscapes happening, and that's, I think yeah. kind of going back to like this would be a cool record to kind of vibe out to and just kind of listen to in the background or even just sitting down and listening. It's just, it's just so. You know, different, especially with coming from London Calling again, like their previous, you know, double album, like, you know, that record had a lot of different diverse sounds and, and, and it it was a little more, um, form, not formalized, but like, yeah, I mean, cohesive, cohesive. And this one, it was like, yeah, it was a mixed bag of different things. But at the same time, I I did enjoy listening to it because it's just, it's messy, but in a fucking fun way. Yeah. You know, that's the best way to, yeah, to describe it. Um, so it was quite difficult to choose a five for this one just because of, you know, there's a the familiar breath. familiarity <laughs> with, uh, the songs, you know, or, or even just, you know, sitting through that, the three, you know, the listen and just kind of trying to f- figure out what songs really popped out. 
Is this your first time listening to it all the way through? It, it is, yeah. I okay. I cool. I, cool. I again recognize a couple songs. I think from yeah. They I know the Clash. They released like their uh, Clash on Broadway. Clash on Broadway, right? So it had like a mixture of different songs from the records. Um, so I I I remembered a couple songs from there, but it's cool to kind of now associate, like, oh, these songs were from this album, and this is how they kind of mesh together, and so. Um, Fuck man, <laughs> I'm like looking at my list. I have, I have, I'm gonna interchange them, but I have seven, yeah, eight at the oh, moment, okay. just because I, Shit. I'm trying to remember like how they all sound. It's gonna be um, difficult because a lot of them sound, I feel like alike, you know, or at least it had a lot of the same moods to it. Yeah. Um, and at some points, it felt very 80s, which is Dude. crazy to think about because this album came out in 1980, but it feels like everything from the 80s, took cues from a handful of songs on this Dude, album. you're totally you know right. I mean? uh, and th- it's ahead of its time. That's a really interesting, like, observation about the record. Because, yeah, you think, like, oh, they're, you know, are they taking from this kind of, this is, like, the disco era and, like, all this kind of stuff, retro synthesizers and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it makes you think, like, they were kind of pioneers of, like, creating those different sounds and and really yeah. going with their gut and, you know, you know, committing to it, so... Um, yeah. Fuck, man. Uh, yeah. You want to go first? I'll go first. Um, number five, I'm going to go with Charlie Don't Surf. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of a lot of these songs are just kind of like hangout songs. You know, the, the pace is just kind of relaxed and almost tropical. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've still got Joe Strummer. Yeah. You know, like just... <laughs> You know, it's it can be the most laid back fucking song, and they're talking about terrorists and fucking, you know, all kind of, all the worst shit, you know. Yeah. In, in civilization, you know. Um, number four, the call up. Yes, I like that um, song too. I'm trying to remember. Dope it. song. Yeah, I, it's hard. Um, you refuse the call up, or fuck, how's it go? I forget, but yeah, it's cool. I dug it. Well, I was listening to it. I'm, uh, uh, I remember it started with like a kind of like this like drum machine kind of thing. Like I thought yeah. that was very interesting. Like they use a different, you know, way of they they're kind of um, starting to like, uh, especially with the you know kind of the '80s, right? You know, kind of uh, start to incorporate technology now into you know um, their playing and but not relying on it. You know what I mean? Like I, I know that like this day and age. It's like, you know, it's all technology these days, but um, it's cool that they're embracing kind of the stuff that's coming out, too. And I think that's I think that's kind of an essential thing, too, of like they have these platforms and these instruments and how are they going to use them and interpret them into their own music? So um, that's the one thing I remember about that (laughs) one. That's the only thing. Would you consider Sandinista to be the Clash's white album? And Ooh. fucking London calling their Sergeant Peppers. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, oof, I don't know. Yeah, I would. I would. I, I think would we say need that. to write an essay. Yeah, this is a little, little essay on, on the Clash <laughs> and the Beatles, man. Um, yeah, no, man. I see. I see. I see the 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 relation there because yeah, I mean they're man. It's just it's like just like the White Album. Yeah, they're they're, they're just so many different flavors in there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Tones and I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, 
Number three is another one where the sound is pretty, but the lyrics are like, what? And it's, somebody got murdered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dead forever. You're like, what, what is hell? he doing? Uh, I believe that's Mick Jones. And I just, you know, I the song threw me, but like then I found myself like singing it in my head. I was like, yeah, somebody. <laughs> you know, um, people around me in, in the office are like, what the fuck are you singing? Um but yeah, somebody got murdered, man. Um, number two, this one was like, what? The Clash are doing gospel? Uh, the Sound of Sinners. Yeah. I, remember that I one. love this. Um, <laughs> and it's like, Joe Strummer, I don't think he's mocking it. Like, he's really embracing, you know. Kind of uh, the, like, spirit, like, like the, the spiritual. And he's talking about Jesus and like, you know, um, what was the line though? Like. Not clean enough. I'm not clean enough. Yeah. Not, you know, to be here. And like, I just, I fucking felt that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking about it listening to this song. Like, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I'm, I'm not really into my faith anymore. Um, but kind of like Martin Scorsese says when he talks about Catholicism, like, you can't escape it. Like, it's always going to be a part of who you are. Um, and I, I never feel closer to God, if you want to, you know, put that in quotes or whatever, then when I'm listening to spiritual type music, like mm-hmm. Johnny Cash, Peace in the Valley, or, um, you know, any of, any of Cash's really like spirituals, you know, I yeah. just, I feel, you know, singing those things, it's like, that's, this is my way of worship, you know what I mean? And hearing this, the sound of sinners, I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, you know, somebody wrote a spiritual for in in almost a punk rock vein and it's all about guilt and i'm like i'm he- fucking here for that dude <laughs> um so i dug it um what did you did this throw you at all fucking yeah a little a little this bit threw me but at the same time it's like i don't know like i like it's it like joe strummer can like he can definitely deliver that kind of you know what i mean like oh absolutely the way he, he does especially the way he's you know sang on on a couple of the tracks on this record and the way he kind of his like his singing and writing it's a ragged passion yeah yeah it's like you really do get like the passion through his voice and i think that's always a key thing with like you know with the clash is is especially joe strunner is like he, you really are like feeling like his everything he's trying to deliver in that song based off what he's, you know, how he's, like, singing it. Like, you really can feel what, you know, what he's what he's trying to, to portray there. And, like, um, so, you, I don't know, I, I, I was kind of used to that. Like, I, like, it didn't catch me off guard too much because it's, like, this is something Joe Strummer would totally do. But, like, yeah, it, it is interesting as far as, like, a gospel, you know, kind of going to that gospel realm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Number one, man, it's a cover. Police on my back. Yeah. This is like the most clash sounding song. (laughs) It brought me back to um, uh, Bacon Rocks in the Sun. You know, maybe not not exactly the sound of it, but the, you know, the message. I thought of Police and Thieves. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't know. I dug it. 
We haven't talked this. Yeah, song. no, you're right. It's you, the one track that I can throw on and just be like, "Fuck yeah!" I'm listening to a fucking rock <laughs> song. You know what I mean? Like, get into it and shit. And it has that like, just that like cool like guitar riff line that kind of constantly goes yes. through. And that that stampeding <laughs> rhythm. You know, it's just the song is going somewhere. It's galloping. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> um, Dude, I I I just realized that lick that they're playing. It's is it supposed to sound like a f- siren? Is that what they're trying to do there? I thought they put an actual siren in. So may- maybe holy shit! I was just thinking about that right now. I was like, wow. Like I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a. I'm sure there's a musical term out there where it's like you're trying to make using the in- instrument like a guitar or something. You're trying to create yeah. this specific. You know, it's almost like sound design for the Clash. You know, in a way. Shit. Man. Um. That's cool, dude. I, I I share one with a number one with you. I I freaking love that song. Um, yeah, I was really familiar with that song off again the Clash on Broadway, and um, I'm trying to remember where I, I first heard it. I think, you know what? I th- yeah, I think I heard it just on that on that Clash on Broadway um, kind of. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember which which number. I'm, so there's a couple of them, but. Um, yeah, I, I think I, the same kind of thing. It, it is again, like kind of an essential, like this is the clash sound, you know, this is the, the type of message that they're, you know, like s- similarities in, in their messages from previous kind of songs. And, um, it, it again, kind of has a lot of the energy of the clash in there too. Like, you know, the, you can, you can really feel like, oh man, like they're, you know, they're playing and they're, and they're singing and. Um, it, it feels like they're putting a, you know, a lot of their, they're spilling their, what do they say? They're spilling their, their guts out in the song. You know what I mean? Fuck so, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, police on my back is number one. This is where I have to like, I have to like <laughs> reference some of these going back. Let's see if I can, I'm just trying to remember these songs. I have my Spotify kind of just chilling in the background. Um, uh. so I've got number two, um, I hope I have the right one here. If uh, if music could talk, oh yeah, it's a good one. It's kind of it's kind of like dubby, like like uh, it kind of has that like dub kind of feel to it, but it it almost sounds kind of like um, I don't know how to describe it, like orchestral. I, I don't know, like there's other. I mean, you know, they always always incorporate you know instruments like piano and stuff. You know, and I always feel like it, it's just kind of an interesting um, kind of choice of of the kind of sounds they were using for that that sound. And um, it's a little bit slower um, of a song, but it's just got this kind of cool like kind of dub kind of sound. And usually, dub music's pretty laid back and kind of chill. So. Um, maybe that's probably why I put it so high on this list. <laughs> I was just like, I was really vibing off that song. Um, Hell yeah. So number two, if music could talk, um, I've got number three. Uh, let's see here. I've got up in heaven. Oh, that's a good one too. And I'm trying to remember how this one's. <laughs> I feel so bad because it is. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. We, you know, we listen to these songs like a couple of days before, even like a, even a week before. Um, but I'm trying to remember how this one starts. Just, uh, just bear with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like all of them had kind of the up in heaven. Yeah, 
Is and but that's the same as a Scott Murder. Yeah, you know, like I feel like that melody repeats itself a lot. Yeah. in this in this record, and it, and that may be why it feels so unified. That might be it. Yeah, um, I remember this one. It it had a pretty cool like like um, intro to the song and the, the kind of the the really fun guitar lick at the at the top of the song. Um, some actually funny enough, um, some of these songs and I guess kind of paralleling paralleling to our Ramones run. Um, I did kind of get a little essence of the Ramones in some of these songs because, yeah, because uh, I guess that will go to my number four is Charlie Don't Surf, that kind of ballady one where it's like kind of, you know, I, I know the Ramones still had like um, that you know kind of unified sound that they have and they did try different things. And I, I think the Clash obviously tried further i think with like different styles and genres oh, yeah. but um it's kind of cool to compare them because like they you know they were able to create songs that were um you know very high intensive and, and then of course songs that are a little more laid back and chill and um this one it, it i don't know why maybe because it was the progression of the song or something it, it just reminded me of like that kind of traditional ballad kind of like right almost like 50s kind of i don't know like <laughs> I can see that. I can see yeah, that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's so hard to, like, even just think about the context of, like, the lyrics and stuff because there's, there's just so many songs. But um, that's the one takeaway. I Like, they slowed it down. They definitely – and, that, you know, that's a good chance for, for, for you know, their, them to showcase their vocals and um, their writing as well. So, you know, I, I always think that's really cool. You, you get an advantage with that with – a slower song. Um, so yeah, Charlie don't surf as four, is that four. That is four. And then five, I've got, oh man, I have like more choices here. Okay. So I have, it's between Washington bullets and junkie slip. I think I'm going to say, I think I'm going to say junkie slip. Nice. Again, with the kind of like rockabilly style, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, again, it's, it's maybe the reason why I picked it, it is a little, it's different from all the other, like, I think most of the songs that we've probably listed are, there are some similarities as far as like the clash sound and like what they really do, you know, you know, do well with their writing. And, um, but I just feel like all these songs are just so different and unique in in a way. And maybe that's why I've enjoyed this record a lot more. And, you know, Junkie Slip was one of them, like, kind of that rockability, kind of this, like, st- you know, strutting kind of drum line and this kind of, yeah. you know, moving, you know, little move, you know, kind of walking movement. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe for this record, I didn't take too much. I wish I had, I, you know, I, I'd definitely listen to this again. And I think I, I wish I could take more. Um, you know, I'll definitely listen more as far as just the context of the lyrics and the kind of what they're trying to um, say in the in the songs. But I think you're right. It was definitely more of a like a vibey kind of just like feel the songs and kind of hear and you know kind of just kind of get in yeah. that in that um, kind of space. So um, and I you know I you know we're we've you know we're musicians and you know we've written songs oh, before. No, you're a musician. Joe, you've written songs before, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, I think, um, 
it's good to appreciate, you know, I definitely want to appreciate the record even more and, and listen a little yeah. bit further into it. So, um, you know, my list, I don't think I could do the list justice, just the songs that really kind of popped out to me, but at 36 songs, how do you do it? Yeah, it is. It is hard to really get a real feel for that record, but at least we had a chance to talk about it. And I'm glad that we're diving a little bit further into like the clash and stuff that we kind of uncharted territory for it for us, I think. So, yeah. Uh, and you know what? We can't talk about the song without, or talk about this record without talking about this one track they redid career opportunities but they had children singing it as the creepiest most awesome fucking thing I i've ever heard in my totally life totally agree with you man i was a little I taken back by it, it so much <laughs> i was like wait they're just doing the song like they're not even doing like i mean yeah there's like xylophone on it and shit but like <laughs> i thought i thought like maybe the intro i thought it would be like an introduction to a different song you know what i mean then it's like nope nope this is just career opportunities with kids with children singing it yeah, like it, it creepy children I, voices. I think I was like, and maybe that was it. I was like, oh, there's a version of career opportunities on this record, and so it again, it, yeah, it was a little jarring to hear the these like young kids like singing it. So, <laughs> um, but you know, that, that's kind of cool. I, I think that you know the yeah. Clash again pushing kind of their their envelope of of just trying things and even just kind of doing a different version of that song. Um, kind of g- gave it a different different life. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah, that was yeah, that one. It's like kind of near the end of the record too, right? So it's like yeah, that, that one definitely ultimate that at the Fine. yeah, I was, I was say it was definitely a head turner kind of moment because I was like yeah. I was like what like yeah, I was, oh, and it was fuck. I saw the list. I was like expecting. I was like oh, I wonder how different this version of Career Opportunities is. And I was like way different. <laughs> so yeah. See, I didn't. I, I wasn't even looking at the track listing. I was playing some Red Dead Redemption while listening to the record, uh-huh. and um, on mute, I was getting the full record experience. Just need to put that out there. But yeah, I so I was. I was just like, wait, wait, what? Wait a tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, wild. That was wild. Wild sounds crazy. Oh yeah. All right, and tune in next week, folks, uh, when we talk about Combat Rock, um, the last true Clash record. Um, but then we'll have one more after that. Um, Shawnee, do you have anything you'd like to share with our dear, sweet, imaginary audience this week? Um, I think I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, I'm going to E3 this week, which is super I think you did. exciting. And, um, yeah, man, been checking out some game trailers. Uh, there's a game, Cyberpunk 2077, that looks pretty promising. And Hell yeah. Like, I guess it's, uh, uh, kind of MMO, first person shooter, um, in the year 2077 and it's about like biotech and hackers and all sorts of stuff. And just seems like a pretty big and, and, um, ambiguous kind of game. So I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are hyped for it. And this week obviously is, there's like gonna be a lot of reveals and stuff. So, um, you know, I'm just, uh, excited to do e- go to E3 and, um, really, uh, happy for the opportunity to go. And, um, Hopefully by next week I'll have some cool stuff to share with you guys, um, but yeah, just looking out for some cool stuff, man. I, I um I don't know if you saw there there's like a new Star Wars game they're gonna be um, uh, making. No. Yeah, it looks actually pretty good, man. Uh, it's gonna be a, it a single player experience, like kind of campaign story. Oh yes, 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 yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. The character looks kind of weird. Um, the character design, but overall. Like, 
looks pretty pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, nice. I've been wanting to get like some more kind of Star Wars type games, and um, I feel like with the the like the Marvel Disney direction, I think you know they're they're obviously taking some time to really like you know at least look into the Star Wars franchise as far as the video games because I, I was you know man I mean playing like some of the earlier Super Nintendo like Star Wars games was you know with um you know that that kind of like feeling of be, you know playing as a Jedi and everything like I mean who wouldn't want to kind of going back to the Avengers thing like who wouldn't want to play as the Avengers like it's just like a fantasy come true so yeah. Um, and it's cool. They're expand, you know, somewhat expanding the story, and you know, it's it's a character we're not really familiar with. So it's cool that they're, you know, with the games expanding kind of the lore of of Star Wars. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty cool. I, I you know, I I'll hopefully have a chance to like maybe see some demos and stuff this week, and um, I'll definitely be trying to pick up on some you know just some demos and. Some free stuff this week. So. Yo, demo. What's your digits, demo? Yeah. When you come out. When you out. When you get released, demo. <laughs> um, I hope you do pick up on some demos, dude. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I think that'll be really sexy. <laughs> yeah, but excited for E3, and I'll, I'll have some more to share next week. So. Right on. Uh, Joey, do you have anything to share this week? Yes. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback from the video game talk. Ooh. Um, I, this month, um, if you have PlayStation Plus... The free game. There's two free games. One is um, Borderlands. I think it's one and two. Oh shit! Um, no way. But the other one is Sonic Mania. Oh and no way, dude! It's uh, I believe the guys who made it like they they were making um, like fan games of Sonic. Okay. And Sega hired them because Sega fucked up Sonic Four. Um, oh, so I what? think what they do is they kind of remix levels from like the first two or three games. That's pretty cool. Um, and then they actually created some levels from the ground up. Yeah. So, and it's, it's really good. So, um, and it's, I get so pissed with my PS4 because every time I go to download a game or just to fucking update, they go, you're out of memory. You got to delete a fucking, yeah. Thing, you know? Oh yeah. But this is like less than a gig. Heck so yeah. I mean, and it's awesome. Um, I was playing, playing as knuckles and I was really enjoying it. Uh, and really quickly, um, go to fucking target, go to the freezer Ben and Jerry's has just released cookie dough bites. Oh, I I, I was uh, listening to the radio and they were talking about this. Actually, dude, yeah. I've been tracking this for like <laughs> six solid months. Damn, um, all right. I want to say Ben and Jerry's was like testing it out on the East Coast, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" And I wrote them a fucking email. I was like, "You need to release this nationally." <laughs> dude, um, and okay. yeah, I was walking to the grocery store the other day, and I did a double take. I was like, "Ah!" I bought them, and they're fucking incredible. So, so. I, they're they're like. Cookie dough, like bites, right? Just little bites. They, you, yeah, just little. You pop them in your mouth. Oh, you, you eat them like just straight up, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're they're a dry treat. They're not an ice cream. I think the the uh, the uh, radio like thing I was listening to, they were saying like, yeah, I think you can eat them like you know, obviously by themselves, but you can. It's like you have some cookie dough like mix there, so you can like legit throw that into whatever ice cream. If oh, you want shit. it, I, would think, I do have ice cream and I have those. Dude, like, if you could figure, I, I don't know how, like, you know, you might have to do one of those, like, Cold Stone kind of things. I might have to experiment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. This could take I, some I, trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking, like, dude, that'd be, yeah, that'd probably be another reason to get it, just to, like, cookie dough, cookie doughify any ice cream you have. So. Yes. Uh, 
Doify the ice cream. Yeah. Worshipping it. I don't know. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, um, Jonathan, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, my friend? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Music and on my website, SeanDayMusic.net. Net. Someday I'll, I have the dot com. I just got to connect it someday. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Check me out on there. And, Joey, where can we find your work on? You can check me out on Twitter at Joey Parati, um, privately on Instagram at Joey Parati. Um, and you can check out my website, joeypartyscripts.com. You can check out the show at Top5Pod. That's T-O-P-F-I-V-E-5-P-O-D on Instagram, on Twitter at gmail.com, and on Facebook at Top5Podcast. We are also on Apple Music, Google Play, and SoundCloud. So please give us a like, give us a listen, give us a follow, give us your love, and we will give you a foot rub in return. Lots of foot Until rubs. next time. Oh, yeah. Foot rub's not just a foot rub, man. Um, until next time, I'm Joey Pride. And I'm Sean Day. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for Pretty insane. Yeah, it's not bad.